0: I'm here talking to Kendall. I'm talking to Annie. This is Annie's episode. Here she goes. I am trying to tell you about doomed couples. Sid and Nancy. The content warnings are for substance use, suicide, domestic violence, and mention of the Queen's Jubilee. If you want to follow us on Instagram, you can find us at at tell no one podcast. Drop us a line, comment, question, suggestion. Tell no one pod at gmail.com. Sources are in the show notes. Everything's alleged, but this is definitely tell no one. Um, I'm going to jump in. Yeah. In the late fifties, Anne Richie meets a guard from Buckingham palace, who is a semi-professional jazz musician on the side. Oh shit. (laughs) She, naturally gets pregnant. Okay. And they together form a plan. She'll have the baby and shortly thereafter she will move to Ibiza. Ibiza. He will follow. Okay. Why isn't he coming with her? So she has the baby. Simon John Ritchie. He will go by John. And he's born in 57 in Lewisham? 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 I'm sorry. England. He's born in England. (laughs) She goes to Ibiza and waits for her jazz musician. She's going to be waiting a long time, isn't she? He never shows up. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Not a phone call, not a dollar. Yeah. Well, yeah, girl. <laughs> that's just the fact that we got to move. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, tough luck for sure. Tough luck. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> So she sells weed to support herself and her son for a while. That's strange. And then she returns to England. Oh my God. Tail between her legs. <laughs> Baby in her arms. God, that sucks. Yeah. So she's raising John in Kent for a while. When he's about eight, she remarries. And this man dies <gasps> a few months later from kidney failure. <gasps> Uh-oh. So we're back to just Anne and John. That's hard life. And yeah. she just never sees that guard again. He's no, just dude, like never. dodging her. It Can she like just 19- go to Buckingham Palace? <laughs> <laughs> when's your shift end seriously um but it's 1957 like yeah if you want to disappear you not contact and how would they ever find you again they can't fucking google you oh you know God. what i mean unless she like happens to see you on the street and you could dip duck dodge and dive away yeah. from her <laughs> <laughs> yeah Anne and john move around a bit and they are poor and they are poor yes <laughs> his so Anne allegedly uses him to smuggle drugs between spain and england Whoa. so like in his like little diaper or whatever oh no <laughs> bad like start to your life that's no? bad start <laughs> to your life definitely when John is about 14 they settle in Hackney okay. in East London
1: not and... in
0: East London <laughs> <laughs> what is that <laughs> I think it's a TikTok thing Anne is addicted to heroin <sighs> and opiates and John is raising himself other opiates <laughs> Heroin (laughs) and opiates? John is raising himself. Damn. Fuck. So, like, she literally doesn't know whether or not her son is enrolled in high school. What? Let alone, like, which one. What? She doesn't know. Oh, she's in the... She's somewhere else. Right. Right. Okay. So, John is presumably enrolling himself in Kingsway College of Further Education, a community and vocational school for students with difficulties. Students he knows where he needs to be. Shut up. He knows where he should be. Mm. He's bright. He's just like, he can't. Tell me how a kid who has that home life is yeah. going to like, give a fuck about like his math test. His mathematics. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so John's 15 by now. And he indicates that he is contemplating suicide. Oh, man. He also claims he, in childhood, would torture and kill cats. Why would you say that? It will be very difficult to tell what is, what he's saying just for shock value. Yeah. Kind of like creating a mythos about himself. Kind of. Yeah. Or like, somebody help me. Somebody look yeah. at me and help me. Yeah. Maybe it, like being like, I'm crazy. Shouldn't you do something? Right. <laughs> when he is 16, his mother throws him out. I remember saying to him, it's either you or me and it's not going to be me. I have got to try to preserve myself and you just fuck off. What are you talking about, mom? He said I've got n- I've not got anywhere to go and I said I don't care. Mommy. Mom. So that is like that's our mommy. Damn. Is you or me and I will preserve myself. You've got to fuck off. That's quite literally the opposite of like what's supposed to be happening. Of like what nature would tell you a mother would do or say. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it's not like he's like violent to her. They just don't get along and he gets in trouble at school and shit. And she's just like come get out. Ooh, that sucks. That year, he meets another student at the Troubled Boy School, also named John. John introduces our John to two more Johns. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? They become known locally as the Johns. The four (laughs) Johns. One John describes... What our John was like. He had a weird brooding quality. He would loon about. He was very bright, but he had another side. He was very hurt, I now realize. Even then, he made me feel cautious. An hour or two of his company was enough. So there's really like five Johns. He also describes our John's family life was a big black hole. When I met his mother at that time, she had no interest in his life. Mm. She didn't even know he was attending Kingsway. She was into the hardcore drug thing, um, which was all, he says all embracing. I think he means like it just took over her life. Yeah. Yeah. He goes, that was her life. Right. Like didn't even think about anything else, which happens a lot. So all four of our Johns quickly drop out of school. (laughs) One day, the school is down for Johns. Yeah, I assume none of them had steady home lives because they begin squatting in various dismal locations. Oh. Um, Sorry. (laughs) 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 Sorry. But yeah, as much fun as we're all having being a group of homeless teens, yeah, we can't all be John. So they, give- <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> not, for all are. not for long. not for long. They give each other new names of oh, good. Mm-hmm. The John who had gone to the therapy session with him becomes Jawobble. <laughs> <laughs> What are you talking? You're making this up? <laughs> but like teen boys did come up with it. Right. You know? It's not that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone, it is fiction to somebody. Mm-hmm. Our first friend, John yeah. becomes Johnny Rotten. Okay. Who you know of. Yeah. And our John becomes Sid Vicious. Got it. He's called that because our our John was recently bitten by Johnny Rotten's hamster, Sid. Oh. And he turned to Johnny Rotten and said, Sid is really vicious. <laughs> Describing like the name thing later, they're like it was a laugh because Sid wasn't vicious back then. He was goofy and funny and very style conscious. He was like a he was like a Bowie boy, like he Uh was into that kind of shit. Uh He was kind of sweet, really. But you did say you've like clocked him as a weirdo since seventy something. I think at this time he's primarily it's like self harm. Yeah, kind of makes you uncomfortable. Yeah, he's talking openly about wanting to die all the time. Right. He's he's also attention seeking in these ways where like he will. One friend's father will describe, like, if he was in a room with you and you weren't talking to him or you were talking to somebody else, yeah. he'd, like, cut into his own hand. Okay. Just to get you to look at him. Okay. So, like, I think that at this point, those are the things he's doing. People are like, whoa, we need to keep an eye on him. Yeah. But he's not violent towards, towards anyone else. Yet. Yeah. Right. Okay. So they start hanging around the King's Road in Chelsea, which at the time was the epicenter of Swinging London, mm. when music and fashion were burgeoning. Okay. They start busking. But what are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean? What's that? Oh, when you play music um, in a public area for change or whatever. Oh. Yeah. But there's a word for it. Yeah. Never heard of it. <laughs> what would you say?
1: I Why would you just use say they're playing <laughs> the
0: music outside for money. Yeah. <laughs> um, they play Alice Cooper songs and people give them money to stop. Damn. Damn. Um, one day in 75... The first John friends, so Johnny Rotten, disappears and he comes back and says, I'm in a band now. Oh. So he forms the Sex Pistols with a few friends and it does not include Sid Vicious. Okay. He doesn't give a fuck. Like he becomes their like biggest fan. Everyone in that kind of scene at the time is in like five different bands. Yeah. Like we're all playing around. Sid is in other bands right now. Yeah. It's just about like the community of it kind of. Sure. So like he goes to all their shows he kind of, like, cultivates their vibe. Okay. Like, he's... Their manager encourages Sid to come to the shows and run wild. He's constantly drunk. He became the figurehead of the new movement. He invented the pogo dance. Jumping? <laughs> well, no, which is literally, you know, like, it's that fucking weird punk thing where you stand in one spot and just, like, po- like a fucking pogo stick jump up and straight up and down. Yeah, he invented it. He, like, <laughs> invented... <laughs> okay. And... He's also coming out with the pithy, nihilistic statements that defined the new age. Sure, sure, so sure. So before he's even in the Sex Pistols, he's in, like, magazines as, like, snippets of, like, what Sid Vicious has to say. So he's like a persona, kind of? He's like an influencer. I mean, like, fucking kind of, for the era. Right. Kinda. Yeah. In a supposedly seminal 1976 article, Welcome to the Question Mark, rock special (laughs) single and fabulous question mark (laughs) sid dominated the poll quotes saying things like i've only ever been in love with a beer bottle and a mirror that's really funny (laughs) (laughs) he's just like chatting shit people are like i'm writing it down yeah he's like a provocateur sure man about town so in february of 77 he replaces the original bass player in the sex pistols and he Literally can't play bass, <laughs> right? Right, right, right. Um, this article said there was one hitch. However, Vicious could not play the bass to save his life, or Th- could he? Or could he? We literally. And then um, the Clash founder says, "Could Sid play bass? I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> um, they say, but one thing I do know was that Sid did things quickly. One night, he played the first Ramones album nonstop all night, and the next morning, it seemed like he could play the bass. <laughs> That was it. Huh. They do say that deep down he was a shy person and I think he was frightened of the audiences. Huh. So he would act out so fucking wildly out of like some kind of like, oh, you're scaring me. Right. I'm going to be the scary thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So this says Sid might have begun as a softer sheepish and shy person, but as punk became a national phenomenon, he started to grow into his role. Yeah. So he plays it, his first show with them in April of 77. He had already missed most of their rehearsals because he was in <laughs> hospital. He was in hospital with hepatitis because oh. he's, he's already using. Yeah. Yeah. Which people will later try often try to say that Nancy got him on heroin. Oh my God. I swear to God. It's like the Kurt and Courtney thing. Like Mm -hmm. He's already in and out of the hospital, ruining gigs because of his behavior and his drug use. Yeah. Just because they both are on drugs does not mean it's her fucking fault. Right. How do we, we always like default to it being the girl's fault. You know what I mean? Courtney was clean when she met Kurt, but yes. Okay. mm -hmm. Clean. I'm just saying that I don't love the term clean for someone who's not using because you know, Sure, sure, sure. We don't need to moralize drugs. Uh, Of course. So but yeah, so Sid's experience with heroin started with his mother, who according to Johnny Rotten, gave him a bag of heroin for his 16th birthday. I had heard I've heard that. Um What the fuck? And even Johnny Rotten was like, Sid, what was that? And I don't want to talk about it, dude. Sid assures him that his mother meant well and just knew that heroin helped him relax come on brother man. heroin helps everyone relax yeah relax you're so hard till they're dead dude yeah you relax so hard you die that fucking sucks so he's already doing shit like famously he'll inject anything oh uh, yeah yeah so there's a story of an incident with Didi ramon the two entered a bathroom completely covered in vomit um and Vicious nonchalantly... I'm drunk. Nonchalantly. So, to back it up... What? The bathroom's covered in vomit? Yeah, they're not covered. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they walk into a stall and they're like, Ew. Uh, oh, I don't want to hear this. You gotta. Kay. Vicious nonchalantly stuck his syringe into the, <gasps> into the toilet bowl and drew water from it and injected its contents. So. <sighs> You think Nancy fucked him up? Right. I mean, she stumbles upon this fucking guy and is like, I'll try and fix him. Like, oh, my God. Goo goo Gaga! <laughs> <laughs> people say that his mother was often supplying him with drugs. What um, the fuck? People have stories about asking him where he'd gotten things and he'd be like, me mom. Me mummy. Fucking dad. Of course. I can't do an accent. And it's hard to tell, too, if on stage he literally can't play or if he's just so fucking belligerent he can't play yeah could be both so he will have his amp unplugged on occasion Cause, but really, it's like it's fine because it's about the spectacle. Everyone's right. there to watch the fucking of spectacle course. and like be spectacles themselves. Yeah, That's so the he's vibe. carrying more than his own weight, right? I mean, he is the draw for them, right? Like, no one's like, I really want to hear the notes. Like, come on, yeah. And also, the entire punk movement at that time was about kind of like you don't need to be good at it. Yeah, and like anybody sounding can like. Bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there are a few stories about like just what these people are like. So in March of '77, they're signed to A and Records. In celebration, they trash the company's offices Later that night They confront a BBC DJ behind the bar Broken bottles in hand And they demand to know when they're going to be on the show <laughs> They demand oh. to know There's a the fight Sid Vicious jams the bottle into Broken bottle into the face of <gasps> a record, recording engineer um, That first guy was rescued by another band's road crew Who grouped around him and escorted him out of the club Hmm the next day, AM dropped the Sex Pistols and Capitol <sighs> Radio banned all of their music from its stations. So that backfired, girls. Well, they're just, like, people who can't get out of their own fucking way. <laughs> yeah. And, like, the difficult balance of, like, this is what people want from us. Right, to look But crazy. also, like, you want me to be out of control, but in control when you want? Yeah. Um, so he's getting violent towards others. Certainly. Damn. Nevertheless, in October of that year... Their only album, Nevermind the Bollocks, Here's the Sex Pistols, is released. They debut at number one, despite the fact that they are banned from pretty much everything because of their song, God Save the Queen. Yeah. In which Johnny Rotten sings about Queen Elizabeth. She ain't no human being. She has a fascist regime. Wow. Well, well, um, this apparently upset people because ugh it was it. it was the queen's jubilee year <laughs> dude i can't care she's been there forever shit. every year something to her i can't care And it is literally embarrassing to have a monarchy yeah over it over it so as a result the band are attacked physically several times and they're unable to find places to play in the uk you guys kidding that's you so give a fuck lame. about her uh, whatever, really? whatever whatever yeah, whatever sorry not my business not my circus not my monkeys right um but they're selling records Right. Because the kids love them. Yeah, I mean, edgy. But like a lot of people refuse to sell the album. It's like the Dixie Chicks. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking lot like the Dixie. When you think about it. Yeah. Um, It is frequently listed as the most influential punk album of all time. So, sure. Yeah. You did something there. Yeah. In December of that year, during the National Fire Brigade strike, something that happened in England, yep. the band played a matinee for the Children of Firefighters. Johnny Rotten claims Vicious had to be warned not to be hardcore or tough or a rocker bloke in front of the children. Why would they book them? What in the hell? I don't know. But like Sid performs Born to Lose, which will later be a part of his solo record because Johnny Rotten had left the stage to go dress up as Santa. (laughs) 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 For the kids. (laughs) For the kids. You know, put it all aside for the kids. (laughs) Well, to me, that is just like it's a signifier of like there are people in the band who know when is when, and they For sure. and Sid is not one of them. For sure. And there's already a bit of a divide there. Like it, it's already Johnny Rotten having to be like Sid, look at me, do this and don't do this. And yeah, fucking, you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean I personally am still very stuck on the shooting vomit story. <laughs> <Okay>. Get over <laughs> it. That's like in my mind's eye forever. Now we're getting violent. Okay. Damn. So before he got in the band, he wouldn't audition, but he had talked to the people in another band about being in their band called yeah. The Damned. Another guy got in instead of him. So there's one event where Sid sees that guy at a club and he aims a glass at the guy's head and launches it across the room. It does not hit that guy. It shatters on a pillar at the back of the stage and partially blinded a <gasps> random girl. He's arrested, and but nothing much comes of it but um oh. so he's already fucking around you know sad for that girl sad for that girl But also, again, a blurring of these lines where, like, what I can see him being like, I don't know where the line is for what I can, what people love me to do and what people are like, are you fucking kidding me, Sid? Right. Like, I'm not saying it is okay. Like, I would know where the fucking line was. Right. But I get someone who's on fucking heroin and has been praised solely for this kind of behavior. Yeah. Being like, wait, what do you want from me then? Yeah. Or, like, when it does go over the line, like, I don't doubt that he felt guilty about this. But when it does cross that line, I'm sure he's like, I don't really know when I crossed the line, but I ended up here. (laughs) Right. Like, I just know know they're mad at me. Yeah. Mm. But again, like, so their band manager is um, McLaren. And he, so he even put Sid in the band only because of, like, his fucking behavior. Like, they fired the other bases because he was too square. I bet he wasn't square at all. (laughs) I know. He famously, this manager famously said, if Johnny Rotten is the voice of punk, Sid Vicious is the attitude. Hmm. Sure. But then another thing with a reporter from NME, Sid lashes him with a bike chain across his head three times. (sighs) Blood spatters everywhere. Oh. Like he's becoming the bad guy. He's becoming the bad guy. What the fuck? I'm scared of Sid. Mm hmm. Just a bit more on, like, what people had to say about him and his, like, impact. So he could barely play, naturally. Of course. (laughs) But they say in all other ways, he was perfect. Oh, shit. Perfect. (laughs) Like, even before he was in the band, the Sex Pistols guitarist Steve Jones recalls, I saw Sid walking down the street before the Pistols and thought, wow, that guy looks cool. Yeah, so he's image guy. Yeah, whatever he touched, it became punk. Whatever it was, he was against it. Sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, at one point, Sid tells a reporter, "I've got absolutely no interest in pleasing the general public at all. I don't want to because I think that largely they're scum and they make me physically sick." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I mean, that's just punk. That's a punk thing to say. That is a cool thing to say. Whatever. They go. He was a young punk rock dream. The guys wanted to be like him. The girls wanted to be with him. He's six foot two, very slim. He he looked the part, and if that was the thing about Sid. He played up to it. The media loved it. Yeah, he's like a the face of the movement. Yeah, yeah, and also that like this is kind of a political movement because right. it's a reaction to the sixties. Right, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, punk and like grunge or whatever. Right. I can't think of anyone else, but you know, you'll know it when you see it. You definitely know it when you see it. Um, There's one story about Chrissy Hind from The Pretenders where she was trying to get him to marry her to get her to stay in the country. And he was like, I don't know, give me a few bucks and I'll do it. And she was like, perfect. So, well, she goes, I did pay Sid like two pounds or something because that's just how Sid was. He wouldn't do anything for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the lark, that was the way we were. They never did it because oh. they arrived at the office and it was closed and she said the next day wouldn't work out because um Sid had to go to court for bashing someone's eye out oh. <laughs> with a glass. So Sid was busy. So forget about it. Right. I'm gonna take you to Nancy. Mm, okay. She is born February twenty seventh. <gasps> oh my God. That's my birthday. Um nineteen fifty eight. Same year, too. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why are <That's> so funny? <laughs> That's a thing. You're like seventy. <laughs> But secretly, we're actually 70. That doesn't work out, though, because your dad is born in 62. (laughs) Okay, so she's born in the suburbs of Philadelphia in a middle-class family. She's born, she's being choked by her umbilical cord. Oh, no. Yeah, that happens. She almost dies of oxygen deprivation. There's no brain damage, but she spent her first eight days of life in the hospital. Mm. Can't be good for attachment. Scary. Her mother will later describe her as a difficult child. Her mother says, I know it is normal for babies to scream, but Nancy did nothing but scream. That's hard. When she's three months old, her pediatrician prescribes her a liquid barbiturate. Oh. Uh, Her violent behavior persisted. Okay, so she's like, hello. Yeah, her mother... Describes her as being difficult from birth, impossible to console, prone to tantrums, hostile, insatiable, demanding, and a bully to her younger sister. (laughs) Oh, shit. She says a seven-year-old ran our household. When she wanted something, no matter how big or small, she hollered and screamed and backed us into a corner until we were the ones to back down. We gave in to her. Why? Because there was abs- absolutely no peace in her house until she got what she wanted. God, that's the fucking nightmare. Like that can happen. I know you can get it full on like a Monster. kid who's just so fucking difficult, man. Yeah. Equally, you know, you're choosing daily peace over raising your daughter well. You know what I mean? Right, but it's like but, you might like hurt her yourself. Like when people yeah. are in situations where they're being screamed at like that, that's when shaking yeah. babies things happen. Yeah. You know what? I would crack under that pressure if I were a mother. Yeah. So I can't even judge her mother. Right. But I also don't obviously judge Nancy for being a tough child. Like right. She doesn't it's know no why one's she's behaving fault. that way. Yeah, it's yeah. no one's fault for sure. Yeah. There's an incident in which Nancy attacks her mother with a hammer. That might be her fault. <laughs> <laughs> so she's very bright, but cannot keep or she can't even make a friend to fucking save her life. Huh. Okay. At one point, she threatens to kill a babysitter with a pair of scissors. Oh my God, these poor ki- parents are like, Cockin, it, fuck. are you kidding? Yeah. And this is the time where like, you didn't have a choice. Like no one could be like a cool couple with no children. Like you had to have a oh, kid. Yeah. The yeah. 50s? Before you even thought about it. Now you have this baby and I bet they are corporal punishing this behavior. Probably because well, I'm sure that is like on the table as an appropriate option. In the 60s for sure. It was more acceptable. I bet they're like going to the doctor and he's like, hit her. They're like, <laughs> put her on barbiturates and lock her in the room. That's yeah. it. But that, that's like the medical advice. They're like yeah. she's troubled. Beat her. Right. Right. <laughs> no. Literally, she's brought to a succession of doctors, psychologists, and clinics. At eleven, she's diagnosed with schizophrenia. No. Although her mother <laughs> says the doctors did not disclose the diagnosis to her family. You can't. Di- I'm pretty sure you can't die. You know. Well, I'm sure must today have been you can't. To- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's insane. That they. That's insane. Of her childhood, Nancy says, "I could have been awarded the state." I had, like, a lot of problems. Yeah, girl. Um, They got real worried and sent me to a shrink, and they just couldn't handle it. I hated them so badly. I just couldn't stand them. And my parents didn't like me at all. They just weren't into what I was into. Rock on, yeah. (laughs) It does feel like a bigger issue than a difference of hobbies. Yeah, they weren't into what I was into. But I, you know what, though? Like, it would be fucking hard to grow up and feel like your parents do not fucking like you. Yeah, it would be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can't imagine. (laughs) All right. Well, either way, when she's 11, schizophrenic or not, she's expelled (laughs) from school. (laughs) <laughs> and sent to a boarding school in Connecticut for children with special needs. Okay. So, like, just like Sid, like, a, a school for, like, kids who are fucking too challenging for anybody else. Yeah, like, punk, punk kids. <laughs> <laughs> school for punks. When she is four, this is not fucking funny, when she's 14, she runs away from that boarding school and attempts suicide by, um, she slashes her wrists with scissors. Oh. Yeah. She then spends time in a mental institution and is diagnosed with schizophrenia again yeah go ahead schizophrenia was kind of a catch-all for personality disorders mm. i think okay. a lot of people like back in those times would get schizophrenia diagnoses and it's, women <laughs> yeah and it would not hold, necessarily, up like, hold up today so like what she could have had like borderline yeah anything like that and they're like oh, yeah oh, bipolar we diagnose you as crazy yeah it, basically okay got it Um, Kendall's in school for, to be a therapist. Yeah. So I'm not diagnosing her at all. I'm just saying that like things change over time. Yeah. Um, but she is really fucking smart and she graduates at 16. And then in 75, when she's 17, she drops out of the university of Colorado and she moves to New York city. Of course she does. She might've been kicked out. Um, there's a story about like five months into her freshman year, she's arrested for buying weed And then not long after that, she's arrested for storing stolen property in her dorm room. Hmm. Her father goes to Boulder and accepts a plea bargain on her behalf. And somewhere in that process, she gets banned from the state of Colorado. From the state? Yeah. So I guess... In effect, she was expelled from her universe right by ipso facto. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't come back. <laughs> um. Anyway, she's 17 now and in New York City. And like, obviously, the New York of the 70s is so fucking different. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's doing sex work, um, amateur j- music journalism. She's stripping and like, just like odd jobs. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> and I think her parents are helping her pay her rent. Um, yeah, I'm sure they're just like, girl, please be safe. We love you. But we don't know what to do with you. But like, we're going to make sure you have a roof over your head. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, thank you, I guess. Yeah. So this is a person who operates on like sheer will. You know what I mean? So there's no finesse happening here, socially or otherwise. Like, she really is like, she's all power. (laughs) She's for tough. And so naturally people hate her and call her shrill and whatever the fuck. Oh, yeah. Blah. Um, quote, she pushed her way to the emerging punk crowd, quickly established herself in the punk scene as a new kind of groupie. She embodied the nastiest parts of the scene. Oh. Someone explains, We were tired of being nice. It was like, fuck you. So that was like what the girls were about. Right. It's which is kind of cool. It's Courtney Love. It's But even within this scene that is all about shocking and, and like being wild and, and being fucking abrasive, people yeah. are like, She's abrasive. Right. Just like him. Yeah. Where it's like, we're crazy, but like, he's doing the vomit heroin thing. Yeah, we're crazy, but like, fuck, check on Sid. Like, right. Fuck. They're like the extremes. Yeah. Sure. She is spurned by the other groupies, but accepted by... The- <laughs> Don't laugh. <laughs> accepted by the musicians, largely for her ability to procure heroin. Okay. So that was her in. like, And she... I think she's cool in that she's like, look... Am I the prettiest girl in the group? No. Am I the nicest, sweetest girl in the group? No. Also no. (laughs) (laughs) Can anybody control me? No. No. Do I have heroin? Mm -hmm. I do, yeah. Photographer Eileen Polk, who is like in that whole thing, she goes, she was blatantly honest about it. She bought drugs for the bands. She was honest about being a prostitute as well, which I thought was refreshing. The punk scene, like any other scene, had these little hierarchies there were groupies that had been around for a long time because of their looks in order to be a groupie at that time you had to be tall and skinny and have fashionable clothes there were a bunch of girls like that on the scene and then here comes Nancy she had mousy brown hair and she was a bit overweight and she basically said yeah I'm a prostitute and I don't care (laughs) fuck like kind a breath fucking of fresh air cool. yeah sure there's a a writer called <laughs> legs mcneil <laughs> no there isn't it is a man by the way <laughs> um and i'll like quote him quite a bit because i think he's done some like <laughs> <laughs> legs <laughs> it's the mick part for me it's like legs mcgoo <laughs> um he says everyone in the scene knew nancy um, there were only like 200 people in the whole fucking thing. So yeah. you met everyone pretty quickly. So Nancy had one of those passions for rock and roll that every that very few people have. She knew everything about every album. Hmm. He also says of the magazine Punk that he worked for, we had an office called Punk Dump. It was really a dump. <laughs> <laughs> it was a storefront, whatever, right under the L where you go into the Lincoln Tunnel. There'd be these these long traffic jams and there'd be he says transvestites giving blowjobs I will say people Tr- trans <laughs> people doing sex work <laughs> yeah um to car johns from new jersey who think they were women oh uh, well, what they a mess legs. what a horrible sentence for you to have to navigate <laughs> I know like, <laughs> fuck <laughs> I cut it <laughs> I don't, I'm not gonna try, like, cut it I don't give a fuck anymore I'm not gonna I don't that. even know what my point was <gasps> fuck it <laughs> no okay so he's describing that like we had a fucking a dump of an office in a shitty part of town yeah and he said we didn't have a shower in the office which why would you mine did oh but it used to be a gym (laughs) (laughs) okay cool um he goes nancy would let us come over she lived on 8th and 23rd it was a nice old basement apartment i think her mother was paying for it she'd make us scrambled eggs and talk hmm he goes, I liked Nancy. She could be very, very nice. Okay. Cool. So yeah, she's a fucking person. Yeah. Having to dispel that someone isn't like a witch hag bitch. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like, she um, let us in her house a few times. Yeah. Like if you talk to her, she was nice. I know. Crazy. That's now what people say. <laughs> like, fuck. Her parents say of this time in her life. Yeah. It seemed as if every week she got wilder, further from our control and our sense of right and wrong. Hmm. Okay. Our morality meant zero to her. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. I mean, it sounds like Why she's would an adult, so. Yeah. She would simply step over the line, draw a new one, and step over that one. But we were powerless to stop her. Yeah. I don't know what to say. She can't go back to Colorado. Right. Where, where else am I going to go, mom? <laughs> I can't go to Colorado. <laughs> I'm not moving. You won't let me move home. Yeah. You sent me away at 11. Like you don't even have a, you don't get to say what I do. For sure. You know, for sure, for sure. Whatever, mom. So Nancy's being bullied by other girls within the scene. One girl who worked the door at CBGB at that time says it was jealousy. There's no more competitive thing than who can fuck these musicians. <laughs> right. Yeah the other girls shunned her and were mean to her and that made Nancy worse she became vengeful she oh, kind of rea- she <laughs> she kind of reacted to them by putting her putting <laughs> she kind of reacted to them putting her down by doing even worse things the only person who didn't shun her were the guys that she was getting drugs for yeah literally okay <laughs> <laughs> whatever <laughs> <laughs> like they said earlier like just because you girls are calling yourselves models when what you really right. do is fuck musicians right just because she's like i fuck musicians they're like shut up and it's like why like why why do we have to be embarrassed of what we're all doing yeah like you're saying the quiet part out loud like yeah it's not sexy when you say it like that yeah i think it's cool though yeah um iggy pop liked her sort of yeah sort of yes yeah, sort of. <laughs> he has some issues right he says i spent the night with her once she wasn't a beauty but i liked her fucking come on <laughs> she's like mm. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't a beauty but i liked her <laughs> mm. um there was <laughs> there was something really spunky there spunky someone <laughs> calls me spunky So yeah. there was something really spunky there but i was a big boy by then so my thought was trouble yeah he's like "Eh, (laughs) yeah that ship has sailed for me yeah nancy says i was (laughs) caught i want to like (laughs) go to bed (laughs) (laughs) nancy says i was concentrating on big rock and roll stars Mm -hmm, me too me too Mm -hmm. (laughs) i toured around with aerosmith for a while. Uh-oh. We know all about that. Legs McNeil says, Nancy was no more messed up than anyone else in the scene. Right. Joey Ramone pulled a knife on his mom. We were all a little disturbed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were. Yeah. Spring of 77, she follows some of the heartbreakers to London. Tom Petty. Tom Petty. <laughs> some fucking bitchy little guitarist from Dead Boys describes it like, Nancy had worn out her welcome in New York. Motherfucker. Come on. Who cares? So she's in London and she meets a newer band known as the Sex Pistols. Yeah. You dribbled? Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I just like saw it. Um, Some people say she tried to hit on Johnny Rotten first before moving on to Sid, but that's hearsay. Yeah. Who would say that? Shut up. We're not going to repeat that. (laughs) Um, Either way, the other members of the Sex Pistols fucking hate her. They do. And Sid Vicious fucking loves her. Of course he does cuz um, she's kind of like an idea too of like this crazy lady. Yeah. I love 100%. her 100%. Yeah. If you're a true contrarian, yeah. the fucking coolest thing you can do is love the girl other people fucking loathe. Yeah, yeah <laughs> of course. Um he enjoys her biting personality. Of course. And apparently with her arrival, like he gets worse. Yeah. This article says describes her as a one-time stripper, part-time prostitute, full-time hanger-on. Mm. they were drawn to each other by shared trauma and need everyone else loathed her whatever (laughs) (laughs) I don't care I don't give a fuck I have a boyfriend now (laughs) I don't care what you think I have a boyfriend (laughs) so they also say that like when he first joined the band he was at least trying to learn how to play (laughs) Right. but like when she arrived he was like fuck it yeah so Johnny Rotten says in a few weeks Sid went to being the worst kind of rock and roll idiot you could ever have a nightmare about (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he, we tried our best to get rid of Nancy one night I even dangled her out of a window by her heels but it was no use uh um, what? what what the fuck you don't like her you don't want your friend to be with her you can't attempt to murder her <laughs> <laughs> right like so I'm gonna kill her uh wh- how did that end like was Sid like bring her back in stop it uh right, right. what the fuck sorry I'm kidding Nancy I'm kidding reel I'm kidding <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, they're all violent, kind yeah. of shitty people. I mean, Johnny Rotten describes her in his 1994 biography as screwed out of her tree, vile, worn, and shagged out. I don't even know what those words mean. <laughs> I think he's saying that she's ran through. <laughs> Ugh. I don't care but what like, you have to say. Johnny Rotten, I you seem shagged out to me. Right, up out of your tree. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, Whatever. And whatever. I mean, you're all punk. Aren't you guys supposed to be gross? Yeah. Yeah. So, but how him and Nancy fit together, Sid and Nancy, he is, like, essentially shy. Okay. Despite his, like, outlandish bullshit. And all the things that other people were put off by about her, he, like, didn't mind so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, want. It's <laughs> hard to find. <laughs> he could fucking... He didn't hate he her. didn't mind me that much. <laughs> um... Not only does he not mind the qualities themselves, he also doesn't mind that that is her general reputation. Like, he's like... Oh, I'm g-? sure he loves it. He's like, fuck them then. Yeah. You know? Which is cool. Fuck them if they think you're loud, obnoxious, and unlikable. I love that about you. <laughs> but, like, truly, I think he's like, that's a shit I like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you fit in in, in this, like, society, he'd I, call you, like, a dumb fucking Yeah, bitch. you make me physically ill. <laughs> yeah. So they say that, um... She's like in some ways kind of like mothering to him. Mm-hmm. And um, like people remember seeing her like cut up his meat for him at dinner. Okay. <laughs> and for his part, like when he will meet her mother later on, people say he was like very shy and polite with her parents. <sighs> um, and she is really needy for his affection. Yeah. Which is a good match for his desperation for attention. Right. You know, like fucking jamming knives into his own hands or whatever. Right. that stuff. Um, they also say that her appetite for self destruction matched, if not exceeded, his own. Whoa. Yoy. That's saying something. Yeah. So they move into a flat together. Uh oh. Where they sink further into heavy drug use and fend off intrusions from the police. Nice. Intrusions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Occupado. <laughs> Just a minute. <laughs> so people are like. Dying to blame her for his heroin use, like of I course. said, which is like, I know you want to blame women for men's bad behavior, but like at least blame his mother. Right. Cause she actually probably did do that in this <laughs> <Right>. case. <laughs> and people want him to break up with her. <sighs> Which he is, you know, for a person like him, he's like, then I'll marry her. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm going to date her harder. <laughs> At one point, McLaren, and their manager plans to have her kidnapped and put on a plane back to the US. But Sid and Nancy are like, clinically tied together. Right. So that literally, the plan doesn't work because they could never, never get her alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, Sid, move out of the way. We're trying <laughs> to shoot her. <laughs> There's also shit like there's a well-known story about a girl at a club trying to give Sid her phone number Mm -mm. and Nancy instructs Sid to push her down the stairs. (laughs) Push her down the stairs. And he did without a second thought. He did. Without a second thought. Oh. What? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. It's kind of rock and roll. She could have (laughs) died. No, no, no. Truly, she could have fucking died. (laughs) But these people are like 17 or whatever. They're still 17? they're 19 okay yeah okay when i say that i mean like for nancy's part of it like she's a 19 year old fucking on heroin yeah she's clinically diagnosed as like needs help always right and so yeah in her little warped brain she's like prove you love me by like killing other girls of course of course of course of course but like i can't i can't really explain him doing it that is cracked right she I believe she's still doing sex work on occasion, which he doesn't seem to have a problem with. And some sources say he may have watched. Oh. Well they're never apart. Right. They're literally Never apart. <laughs> By the way. You're the guy. Sid right. vicious in the corner over <laughs> so fucking scary. Yeah, would be so scary. <laughs> I guess maybe it's like keeping her safe. Like they're not gonna fuck around and find out. You're like, do I get a discount if he's in the room? <laughs> My celebrity boyfriend. (laughs) No, you're paying more. (laughs) Um, But he is beating the shit out of her. Yeah. So. See? Here we fucking go. So she was, I'm saying this off the top because I don't ever want to say it again because it's not, to me, not fucking relevant. Okay. She was known to be verbally abusive and and physically aggressive. Okay. Okay. But he was known to full on hit her often. Yeah. And and he does kill her later. <laughs> stop. You, stop. Can you can cut it. You can cut it, but like, come on. <laughs> you better stop saying that. <laughs> alright, alright. In her last conversation with her mother, Nancy admitted that the beatings which she had previously said were from strangers. Mom, it's crazy out here. <laughs> uh, actually came from from Sid. Oh, yeah. Her mom's like, I mean, I get, I know you're not. The easiest person to be (laughs) fancy, but strangers are beating you on the street. Maybe come on, on. so the band is about to go on their first U.S. tour. The band bans her from joining them on tour. Okay, naturally on that tour, Sid behaves like a fucking madman. Yeah, he's also going through like semi withdrawals the whole time because he's not on heroin; he's on methadone. Okay, he's like bashing audience members over the head with his base. Y'all are gonna get sued. Not at this time. No, but think about it. <laughs> right. He's, like, carving into his body, so he'll carve, give me a fix into his chest before the show. Like, reflective, like, so it reads. <laughs> <laughs> Does he invert it so I can read it? or <laughs> Like, in a mirror? <laughs> it's fucking backwards! Oh, my God! It <laughs> holds up a mirror like, oh. <laughs> um, one photographer who joined them on tour says about Nancy, I remember talking to Sid on the bus and he seemed to really care for her. He loved her very much. They seemed to communicate and connect. Okay. Okay, man. At this point, the manager, McLaren, says Sid had begun to dislike everything except heroin and Nancy. Yeah. They're on the path to breaking up. Really? The band. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) The band. Yeah. I mean, just fucking... Mm -hmm. It's a lot to hold together. Yeah. Johnny Rotten is barely talking to anyone. What's his deal? Well, he's just like, I want to be in a real band. Grow up. Grow up. Then, why'd you hire me? Yeah. Then don't be in this band. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sid is... Yeah, like I said, being a monster, he's yeah. like furious. They won't let Nancy be with him, and their manager does so much shit to like just sh- stir shit up. Really? So like, he didn't book them for any shows in New York or places where they'd have fans. He books them for places he knows that they'll have. They'll be met with fucking hostility because it'll drum up more publicity. So Come he books on. them in like fucking Texas and shit. Uh. So so Dallas, he greets the audience by calling them cowboy F-slurs. Oh. That's not going to go over well. He gets a full can of beer thrown into his head. Yeah, he does. And it connects. Yeah, he does. (laughs) Yeah, he does. Um, Dallas is not known to be friendly to visitors. JFK? Yeah, That's a JFK joke, yeah. (laughs) Cool. Things. (laughs) He got away easy. Sid? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to kill him harder. (laughs) <laughs> <Sean F. Kennedy. laughs> yeah he, he got crazy. <laughs> what the fuck i'm a crazy person you out not am a fucking crazy person <laughs> like what else could they have done <laughs> okay so things begin to or continue to spiral by san francisco he said isn't even pretending to give a fuck about these shows yeah He's i can't in- believe he ever had the appearance of doing so anyway i don't know if he really did but you know what i mean yeah he's like fully unplugged during the shows yeah and johnny rotten has had it i've had it honestly i know (laughs) at this show johnny rotten says something to the crowd about being cheated and walks off stage i think being like you guys have been cheated out of a fucking show you wanted because this guy's a fucking idiot yeah sure okay fair enough fair enough um the sex pistols have broken up yeah They did eight American shows, and that was all they had in them. Eight. That is not a lot. No. So now that the group has split up, he is all alone, very lonely, and fearful of the future. He was internationally notorious and only 21. Oof. So January 19th, he flies from San Francisco to New York... During this flight, he slips into a value methadone, and alcohol-induced coma. Uh Uh-oh. When he lands, he's rushed to the hospital. He is told there that if he doesn't stop drinking, he'll be dead in six months. (gasps) At 21 years old, you're told that? Oh, wow. Fuck. When he gets out, he reunites with Nancy. In April, they go to Paris to film the Sex Pistols mockumentary, where they spend most of their time in their room doing drugs. Yeah. He's able to be coaxed away for like a day uh-huh. to do work. He records three songs that day. One of them is My Way, which is sort of the only song he's remembered for, like in his solo work. Hmm. Um, it's like a re recording of obviously his like Fank Sinatra song. Fink. <laughs> 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 when he gets back to the hotel room that night, she has retaliated for being left alone by superficially cutting her wrists like a dog there was blood all over the bed and she'd faked a suicide attempt to really make Sid feel that he shouldn't leave her even for a few hours. I would like to clarify the dog comment. It's like when a, it's like when a dog or cat, like, pees your in your bed. Up. Yeah. yeah, I, know yeah. What you mean. I don't mean, like, she cut herself like a dog. Like, <laughs> you're not Donald Trump. I, these people don't know me. right? But he but does say that a lot. Yeah, Donald like Trump. a dog. So, so, like, I'll accept this as an example of her being emotionally abusive, for sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, you're, like, threatening that if someone leaves you alone for a day to go do their job, you're gonna, f- then you're it's on your hand. That I killed myself, yeah, you I know? I mean, they're both just, holy shit. And they're on und- <sighs> And we gotta add the drugs in Right So the end of that summer They return to New York And they settle into room 100 At the Chelsea Hotel After causing a fire In their first room Mm. They checked in as Mr. and Mrs. John Ritchie Okay. Okay They say that when she came back With Sid It was like she had triumphed Cool that she got to be like H- oh! Like come home with like a little I'm victory back. laugh <laughs> Um, and now she is his manager. She schedules shows for him in New York, where he draws large crowds. Though some performances are hellish, with the audience booing and him insulting them. Hellish, <laughs> hellish, and he's just like screaming and ins- insults at them. Yeah, and they like paid. I mean, whatever. It's a show. You got a show for sure. And are you not entertained? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So they're making money, but, like, still, she often has to call her parents for money because they're spending money. Right. So during one of these phone calls, she tells her mother that she's having problems with her with her kidneys and asks her mother to, to look into getting her and sit into a detox program. Fuck. Yeah. But still, the two are spiraling deeper into drug abuse. He's also, like... More and more violent with her at this point. Yeah. The stress of the band breaking up and his anxiety over how it had to be like a solo act now and right. all that shit. He, quote, used Spungin as a punching bag when struggling with his own issues and it only worsened when the Sex Pistols broke up for good. Sure duh but around this time the two of them are like a fucking double act in the press right of course they're like known for their coupledom, you know yeah yeah so there are things like she joins him in interviews Mm -hmm. but it's also like there's a real like rude quality to it always because she never gets introduced in the interviews so she's sitting there and the person is like here's sid vicious from from whatever and then she's just sitting there and they don't they don't acknowledge her until she starts. She, but she's the one talking because he's nodding off the whole time. Right, right. You know what I mean? this yeah. like, it's, it's kind of fucking rude. Yeah, that's just my opinion. <laughs> it's kind of fucking rude. <laughs> so there's one interview in early October of that year where people call in live. Okay. And just a description of it. You're struck by how shockingly close to adolescence she was, chewing a wad of gum and self-consciously flipping her hair. She was only twenty. And Sid is next to her. At one point, he removes his leather jacket, nearly knocking her in the face with his elbow. And he's forgotten she's there. Or yeah. As if he's forgotten she's there. 20? I know. She's a baby. And they say, but he needs her there. During any interviews from this time, he's like literally nodding off on camera. Oh, yeah. And she is she's the one handling the questions. Right. You know? And people who call in to talk shit to them, she's the one handling it. Yeah. Another woman calls in and says, Sid Vicious is a spoiled brat and his girlfriend. And Nancy goes, what about me, ducky? <laughs> She's really doing the English thing. <laughs> and the girl goes, you're an asshole, you blonde bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard a girl call another girl an asshole. You're an asshole. Um, And another interview where he's fucking nodding off she is, like, snapping him to wake him up, and she's, like, she, like, alternates between being nurturing and, like, fucking annoyed at him. Right. I mean, yeah. i would be fucking annoyed, because I'm like, I don't want to... I'm being called an asshole out here, like... (laughs) 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 Yeah, I'm like, I'm sure people think she's, like, dying for attention, but she's, like, (laughs) I'm propping him up, like, we get their fucking (laughs) birdies! You think you're gonna get an answer out of this guy? (laughs) They say that even the hardcore drug users Begin to avoid them Television guitarist Richard Lloyd says Television's a band Okay (laughs) (laughs) To hang out with Nancy and Sid Was to make a grievous mistake for your own health Yeah Fuck This is a love note from Sid to Nancy Written in late 78 Okay What makes Nancy so great by Sidney? One, beautiful It's a listicle (laughs) Oh, yeah Two, sexy (laughs) Three, beautiful figure I'm embarrassed. I'm getting embarrassed. <laughs> Four great sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Five okay. makes extremely interesting conversation. Oh God, that is nice. Six witty. Okay. Seven has beautiful eyes. <laughs> He's twenty. What do you want? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Not wait. Seven. Nine. <laughs> Eight, Eight. <laughs> has fab tasting clothes. Fab. That's the last nice thing for a while. Right, okay. October 11th, 1978. Sid and Nancy have people over. Sid is fucking comatose the whole time. Several visitors to the room saw Sid take a fucking million tablets of whatever to be knocked the fuck out. Oh, God. They say a far loader dose... (laughs) Loader (laughs) dose. I gotta go, man. (laughs) The things I've had to say today. (sighs) It is a far (laughs) lower. (laughs) <laughs> a far larger dose of the barbiturate than most could survive and one certain to put nearly anyone into a deep state of unconsciousness for hours Ugh, yeah they're gonna die soon <laughs> <laughs> they sure are throughout the night numerous people come and go yeah and at 730 in the morning female moans are heard coming from their hotel room uh... um at 10 a.m. The front desk begins receiving calls of distress about the situation in room 100. A bellman discovered an underwear-clad Nancy on the floor, bleeding profusely from a knife wound to her abdomen. So she... Uh, yeah. A dazed Vicious was found wandering in the hallway, reportedly wailing about how he killed her. Ah. Uh. So Sid had woken up to find a trail of blood leading into the bathroom where he finds Nancy under the sink with a knife wound to her abdomen and she's dead. She's dead. Okay. Hotel staff arrived to find her. She was twenty. She had blood to Ugh, death. That is so young. Oh yeah, my god. Yeah. It is I don't think I knew before I looked into it how fucking young they were. No. Yeah. Like they're both babies. Yeah. i you know? I was thinking like twenty five, like Kurt and courtney 25 27 Me too. but that's still super super young but this Course. is like what are you talking about barely not teenagers yeah. you know yeah. yeah and these are also wounds that had she received medical attention she would have survived i was gonna say she would have like not even like she could have she would have you know fuck so police are called obviously and he's found wandering the halls and he's very out of it he's like mumbling and wailing and bumping into walls And he's arrested and charged with second-degree murder. And police are truly like, what is the question here? This guy killed her, you know? Yeah. So at first, he tells them that they had argued that night. And then he says, I stabbed her, but I never meant to kill her. And then later on, he says he doesn't remember anything. And then he says she had fallen onto the knife. That doesn't happen. But they also say, like, he's in a drug fucking daze the whole time. So plenty of theories about what fucking happened. So people think maybe she had confronted a drug dealer or just a fucking passer through who was stealing from them. So, and they have like a fucking open door policy, apparently. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Michael Mora, who, the drug dealer who supplied the drugs that night, he knew the two of them kept a large amount of cash in the bedside table drawer. Yeah. And people think that he noticed Sid was flat out and gray on the bed and decided to help himself to a bit more of the couple's cash. Sure. They think she freaks out because she's... She's like that. Yeah. And then he stabs her and takes the rest of the money and leaves. Okay. Leaving behind what he believed was two corpses. Okay. Was the money gone? Yeah. Hmm. January of 79, he supposedly heard confessing this at like a bar. Okay. um, Casually admitting to several fellow drinkers that it was actually him who had robbed and stabbed Nancy and produced a handful of her bloodstained dollars to prove it. Okay. But others insist that he was known to like tell stories for attention. Yeah. I Yeah. Seems um, like the, the crowd to do that. Yeah. For sure. McLaren, Sid's manager, yeah. um, says that he thinks she died in a fight with a party goer. He says money was stolen and Sid's knife was taken down from the wall where it was hung. Right. So, and I guess it all does kind of, these series aren't wild because they, they were known to have $24,000 stolen from their hotel room that night. Wow. Also, theories of a botched double suicide. No, I'm thinking if he did it, I'm thinking he's like borderline hallucinating. Yeah, he. Well, I don't think he's been clear for a long time. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's obviously like, if you kill someone, you kill someone, brother. Right. I mean, it's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this person doing the article says, um, all these years later, no one I spoke to believes he killed her. Um, they all say, I think when Sid woke up, stoned out of his mind and realized she was dead, he might have assumed he did it. And that is why he was yeah. wandering around saying that. Or you know he, what I mean? Or he's like, there's that. But there's also like, I didn't save her, which could be what he means. But that is just like this classic, it uh, happened before someone blacked out and they like don't remember if they had killed someone yeah. and are just like haunted by like, did I yeah. do that? Like, did I fucking- I don't think that he knows if he fucking killed her hey that's the thing i think that initially he's like i must have right and i think later him saying i don't remember it is him being like well i'm not gonna go to jail i don't want to go to jail forever for something i don't remember doing you i know? think him saying like i killed her and i don't remember it are this like can be said in the same sentence yeah like no i agree you're right i killed her and he's like well, but i i don't remember yeah but i think i did right i think you're right so while in custody cops say that he tried to kill himself every chance he got yeah um he's so like to sort of avoid that they made bail really easy for him. Okay. To get him out so they wouldn't it wouldn't be like their, their problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he gets out on bail. Oh, what a nightmare. One article calls him newly single. No. Nope, you're wrong for that. You're wrong for that. You're obviously wrong for <laughs> That's that. That's fucking awful. <laughs> so he returns to the Chelsea Hotel where he's joined by his manager, McLaren, and his mother. Mm-hmm. Days later, he attempts suicide by slitting his wrist with a smashed light bulb. Um, when he sees paramedics arriving, he goes for the window. And he's, he's stopped, and he's taken to Bellevue. And the whole time, he's yelling about wanting to be with my Nancy. Ugh. Yeah. What I don't know. Nightmare. It's just like fucking sad shit, you know? So shortly after he's released from the hospital, he does an in- Sid does an interview. He and- does? Well, that's the thing too. Like he's not setting these things up, guys. No, it is still his manager and his mother, like pumping him for attention. Let's you know put what the I mean? Career on the back burner but they won't ugh they fucking won't and like sickos he's so fucking out of it dude he's like whatever it is hard to it's It's hard to bear (laughs) hard to bear she died like a month ago and he's trying to kill himself every day yeah oh god. what do you want me to go on TV and fucking say this is terrible and he doesn't handle it well they ask the interviewer goes they go are you having fun at the minute he goes are you kidding Are you kidding? I'm not having fun at all. Then he says he'd rather be under the ground. Yeah. Glad I came on TV to say that. Oh my God. Am I having fun? So, I mean, like a few months later, he has a new girlfriend. But like with him, like he's a walking he, zombie. Yeah, he doesn't have a new girlfriend. It's just a, a person whose apartment he stays at. Yeah. A girl who's around him a lot now. Yeah. Yeah. He's not a conscious person. Right. At some point during this time, he cracked a bottle over the head of Patty Smith's brother in a club fight, and he's back in jail. He's like supposedly detoxing there for fifty-five oh, days. What a nightmare! But his mother is visiting him. Get the fuck out of here, lady! So Malcolm <laughs> McLaren says his mother would smuggle heroin into prison for him. In her butthole. God. Why would you go with butthole <laughs> <laughs> when you have a vagina? You have a vagina? <sighs> in her butthole. <laughs> what the? Fuck? don't oh, no. I guess I forgot about Joinas for a second. It <laughs> was like really crazy. <laughs> okay, so that she's doing that because she's a bad fucking mom. <laughs> yeah. So he spends fifty-five days there. Oh. And then he's released on February first, goes back to his girlfriend's apartment. Michelle. Michelle. Brief pause for letters he'd been writing to Deborah Sponge and Nancy's mother. Uh, um, mm-mm. She publishes them in her memoir, the title of which is taken from a poem Sid wrote. The memoir is called, I Don't Want to Live This Life. Ugh. Dear Debbie, thank you for phoning me the other night. It was so comforting to hear your voice. You are the only person who really understands how much Nancy and I love each other. He says in all present tense. Ugh. I think he's like, not... A- Okay, I really think he's not okay. (laughs) I'm I'm starting to think Sid isn't (laughs) okay. Like, hour 45, but like, is he okay? (laughs) It's like 11th suicide attempt. Okay, every day without Nancy gets worse and worse. I just hope that when I die, I go to the same place as her. Otherwise, I will never find peace. He's (sighs) also like a dramatic 21 year old, you know? Oh my god, yeah. I realized that she had never known love and was desperately seeking searching for someone to love her. Every day is agony without her. Yes, yeah, same, dude. It's my daughter. Right. I know now that it is possible to die from a broken heart because when you love someone as much as I love her. Why did I say that? That's not what it says. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what it says You made that, up? I made that up. I just I just said it. You <laughs> I just <laughs> 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 because when you love someone as much as we love each other they become fundamental to your ex- existence i could live without food or water longer than i'm going to survive without nancy i don't know it's already been a couple months he doesn't make it long though right <laughs> nancy was a very special person too beautiful for this world i feel so privileged to have loved her and been loved by her you were the one person again i made it up <laughs> <laughs> she's sleepy if possible, I would love to see you before I die. You are the only one who understood. <laughs> <laughs> you are the one. <laughs> I just made it up. <laughs> Everyone else just thinks I'm being weak. All I can say is that they never loved anyone as passionately as I loved Nancy. I always felt unworthy to be loved by someone so beautiful as her. I hate this part because he's talking to her mom. Did you say something sexy? At the climax of our lovemaking, I just used to break down and cry. I mean, come on! That, I'm sure that was amazing for her. I it was so beautiful, and it was almost. <laughs> what if I made that up? <laughs> it was so beautiful that it was almost unbearable, <sighs> and the nights are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> what if I made that? Up? You're like, and then he says, <laughs> <laughs> "The nights are the worst." <laughs> the audacity of this man! The audacity of your daughter's. You're basically teenage daughter's boyfriend saying he feels the same way you do about your daughter dying. Yeah. Being murdered. By him. (laughs) By him. (laughs) Enclosed poem for Nancy. (sighs) For Nancy. Nancy, you were my little baby girl. And I shared all your fears. Such a joy to hold you in my arms and kiss away your tears. But now you're gone. There's only pain and nothing I can do. And I don't want to live this life if I can't live for you. To my beautiful baby girl, our love will never die. Second letter. Dear Debbie, uh, I'm dying. My baby is gone. Without her, I have no will to live. Come on, the language. Let's not say baby. I love her so desperately. I know I can never make it without her. When you love someone that much, you cannot lose them and still be able to go on. You are mansplaining my daughter's death (laughs) to (laughs) me. I know that if I lived to be a thousand years old, I would never find anyone like Nancy. No one can ever take her place. I love Nancy and Nancy only. I will always love her even after I'm dead. I've only eaten a few mouthfuls of food since she died. I may die of starvation in this place. I just hope it comes soon so I can be with Nancy again. We so much wanted to die together in each other's arms. I cry every time I think about that. (sighs) I guess he is trying time and time again to kill himself. Yeah. So maybe I believe the drama. Oh, no, I believe the drama. I do. Okay. But I do think he still could have killed her. I worshipped Nancy. It was far more than just love. To me, she was a goddess. She used to make me kiss her feet before we made love. I'm her mom. Tell this to someone else, brother. <laughs> I'm her mom. <laughs> I'm her mom <ma'am> from Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> My Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. We're coming to the end of our ropes. I'm hanging on by a thread. I'm gonna get a soda, a pop. Oh. Kiss my feet, kiss her feet. <laughs> Kisses, <laughs> there. <laughs> to me, nope. I already said it. No one, nope. Yep. No one ever loved the way we did. I lived for her. Now I must die for her. I guess he, he's not lying, right? It gave me such pleasure to give her everything she wanted. She was just like a child. She used to, she used to call me... Mm-mm. What? 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 She used to call me... She used to call me <laughs> daddy. He wrote... He wrote that? He wrote her mom. And I used to call her mama and she used to nurse me at her breast and call me her baby. <laughs> I swear, I did not no, dude. <laughs> <Hell> no. <laughs> she used to nurse me. She used to nurse me <laughs> and call me her <laughs> baby, <laughs> baby boy. <laughs> it's like really sick shit. Some sick shit. <laughs> some sick shit to- oh my god. Okay. You guys are absolutely insane. Goodbye, Debbie. I love you. Sid, kiss, kiss, kiss. That was the craziest shit that's ever (laughs) happened. He's out on bail. Yeah. He's at Michelle's apartment. Yeah. Oh, my God. Michelle following. Penning (laughs) these letters. Yeah. Michelle's (laughs) like, what are you writing? (laughs) Uh, You're telling me she used to nurse you, too? (laughs) 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 The first thing he does that night, he's when he, the day he gets out, is he asks a friend to find him some heroin. His friend does and brings it to Michelle's apartment that night. Michelle and Sid's mother, Anne, are having a party for him, like for his return home. Don't. Yeah, dude. Remember last time we had a party? Okay. Last, last time we had a party at Sid's, Nancy died. And Sid dies that night of a heroin overdose. His mother finds his body the next morning. Yeah. His wow. mother admitted years later that she had administered the dose to her son. On purpose. I don't know. People dispute that. Like if he, if she was like, look, you're going to go to jail forever and you want to die. So let me just do that for you. Yeah. Or if she's a fucking heroin addict and so is he and that people fucking overdose, you know? Um, Um, I mean, maybe his mom did. I mean, I think it was intentional on his part for sure. And I think she probably knew that too. It it seems like like a euthanasia type thing where he's just like quite literally asking to die every day. Mm -hmm. And it's like ethically like, can can you let him yeah kinda he dies while awaiting trial for her murder for Nancy's murder and with her only suspect dead the police don't look into the death her death any further huh which is fucking interesting to me yeah strange choice the morning he's found dead in Michelle's apartment, photographers and reporters swarm the building. Ugh. Neighbors describe the barrage of questions they face every time they leave the building. <clears throat> but Michelle never sold her story, and she would soon change her name to avoid the, like, huh. publicity of it. Wow. So I think she really fucking loved or liked him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's good to know, I guess. Yeah. Well, there was something lovable about him. You sure, know what I mean? Sure. Um, after his death, his mother claims that she found a note in his leather jacket saying he goes, I have to keep my half of the bargain. Please bury me next to my baby. Bury me in my leather jacket. Whatever, whatever. Right. Goodbye. He's been. Yeah. He's been saying this. Yeah. Yeah. He's cremated. Sid's mother reaches out to Nancy's mother to about having Sid's ashes scattered over Nancy's grave. Yeah. Because Nancy's in a Jewish cemetery. is a word in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Her mother is like, no, really? Well, and he's not Jewish. I think that might be the main thing. Yeah. Um, So one story is that Sid's mother and a friend of his drive to Nancy's grave and spread his ashes there anyway. But probably the truth, um, which Johnny Rotten confirms, is that Sid's mother had wanted to bring his urn from New York back to England. Yeah. And smuggled a heroin stash in her son's urn. What the fuck? She's a heroin addict. How is she still alive? Um. Once she landed at Heathrow Airport in London, she apparently got nervous about going through security. So she stashed the heroin and therefore her son's remains down in an air conditioning vent. Johnny says, to this day, Sid is floating around somewhere in Heathrow. What the fuck? Bad mom always was. Bad mom. After his death, his mother Anne had taken possession of his base with a leather strap with his name etched into it. Um, shortly before her death, in ninety six of a drug overdose, she sold it to Steve Jones, the original guitarist from Sex Pistols, for two thousand pounds. Cool mom. At least it went to someone who knew him and, right, and not gave a like fucking yeah. not just like fucking pawning it or whatever. Right, right. So she dies in ninety six at the age of fifty eight from a heroin overdose. God. So the deaths of Sid and Nancy, they say it was like the Manson family in the sixties that killed Punk overnight. Yeah. And the public, including Vicious's friends and family, believe him that he didn't do it. Um, his manager says she was his first and only love of his life. I'm positive about Sid's innocence. Yeah. I mean, people kill people they love a lot. Uh-huh. So as for Nancy, something about her seems to resurface every now and then. She surfaced in the 90s as a role model for Courtney Love, the next generation's peroxide parasite, arguably as reviled by the indie rock scene as Nancy was by the punks. Yeah. Kurt Cobain tells Michael Azarod in Come As You Are, the story of Nirvana. She looked like Nancy Spungen, a classic punk rock chick. I don't know, guys. I actually don't know. I think he probably did. I, I think he probably accidentally did. And by <clears throat> accidentally, I mean, I think he was like doing... I think he did it mm-hmm. and didn't think like sh- this is a real human person and like she'll bleed out and die. Yeah, I think he was on so many fucking drugs I think he killed his girlfriend and didn't realize that he the severity of that fucking action. I think like like when you're impaired like that, like you're gonna do wild shit and not know And then fall asleep immediately after. Yeah. Yeah. That is just so crazy that he was in that room and he still doesn't you know what I mean? Just like Yeah. That's the spookiest shit. But I believe that he doesn't know. Yeah. yeah. I (laughs) that he didn't know. I do too. And I think that's like a certain kind of hell. Simplest answer is probably the answer. Yeah, probably. Okay, as usual, feel free to absorb the information. Feel free to share it if you want, but as for where you heard it, tell no one. Bye. Bye.